Blog Talk Radio. Knowledge is being buried. Truth is being hidden. Schools where truth and knowledge are supposed to be exposed are being covered by nepotism, favoritism, politics, and racism. And Africans continue to suffer at the hands of this oppressor. How could something like public schools go so bad so quickly in front of our very eyes? Maybe because it was never what it seemed to be. Let's unplug our minds from this racist matrix and find wisdom, knowledge, and truth in the mind beneath the school with your host, Mama Adana Aina Aluwasi. Ashe, 
and finally for our children and their children and future generations of Africans to come, that they too in their time will vindicate our race from all adversaries and continue to imprint upon the world the great genius of African humanity. We pour libation ashe. May the venerable African spirit engulf this occasion to reclaim and reaffirm our Africanness. It is done. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. All right. I always feel so ready to do something after I have done libation at any kind of ceremony, uh, uh, any kind of opening ceremony uh, uh, that is about to bring knowledge to the African and the African-American and African-born in America community. Today we're going to talk about a lot, and of course I have my guest coming on at, at 9.30, uh, photographer extraordinaire and entrepreneur, Ricky Codio, I, I can't wait, uh, another Imhotepian, Charter High School, African-centered brother, who is going to come uh, and enlighten us on how he has just forged through, and I've just watched this brother uh just do such magnificent things uh, with photography and all the celebrities, models, and places and things that he has done. So I can't wait for him to share all of that with you. Um, but beforehand, I, I wanted to to get to a couple things, and I, I also wanted to share with you uh, my experiences at the fourth annual uh, Black Comic, as in comic book, not comic, the comedian, but comic book festival in Harlem. Just going to Harlem was, you know, in, in just an experience. I haven't been to New York in so long. And when I, I thought about it, it, it's been close to 15, 15 years that I have actually been to New York City, you know, and and, and um, just breathed in, you know, that whole whole thing of Harlem, though Harlem has changed. And we will talk about that a little bit and probably even more on another show, but it has changed somewhat. It has been gentrified. Uh, uh, it has, uh, there, there was a lot of mixtures there. Is that wrong? I, I, it, it needs to be discussed on another show, not gentrification, not this one. Um, but the festival, the fair, the black comic book fair itself was just amazing. Uh, it really was, and so I'm, I'm going to share some of that. But I wanted to start to show off with some politics. Uh, as you know, there's a presidential race going on, and uh, the Republicans are just coming out of woodwork, and we have just two Democrats to choose from. I I wanted to talk about choice. You know, we often pick our our candidate as Democrats because it's assumed that Africans are going to uh, pull the lever for a Democrat. And we know very little, you know, we may know very little about them, you know, as much as needed. Uh, Obama for the last, you know, we've had him for the last eight years, and we have figured that that choice would be easy. But... It's getting to be a different kind of race. This race is about race. It's all about race. 
uh, Donald Trump has played an ace, and he is winning with that card. Okay, he is he he is bringing race to the forefront, and he negatively, and he is winning in droves. And everybody is saying, "Oh, well, he's going to filter." Out. He he doesn't even look like. He's about to filter out. He looks like he is getting stronger. And why is that? Why is that? Could it be because white America has had eight years of a black man? Could be. You know, probably the most disrespected president that we've ever had. You know, they, they on the last Republican debate, they, they called him, two of the candidates called him a child twice. From that senator who waved her finger in his face, I mean, it's just, you know, to, to uh, when he wanted to give a State of the Union and the, the Speaker of the House said uh, uh, um, they weren't going to cut off the football game because, you know, it, it just it, his speech was just as important, was not as important as that. I mean, through eight years, this man has been totally disrespected, whether you agree with his politics or not. Everybody has now pulled off the gloves. Now that, that that is all done and we are winding down, okay, Donald Trump, who was the most liberal of New Yorkers that you could ever have, saw a way that he was going to be president. He saw it when Obama first got elected. And now he saw again because he, what he did see was disenfranchisement. And he played that card. And sleep on him if you want, and you will wake up. The Wednesday after the Tuesday election night and be saying President Trump. Because there are a lot of disenfranchised white people who feel that they have been cheated for whatever reason. There are there are a plethora of reasons. I on this show, I will not discuss it. What does that have to do with education? Let me. I'm going to give you some numbers, and then I'm going to let you know. And I'm just going to. I'm just going to questions that I would like for you to ask yourself. Across this country, there are close to four million teachers. Four million. That's a number. Out of those four million teachers. Eighty-three percent of them are white. Six percent are black. Let me say that again because sometimes, you know, we see faces on television and we make assumptions and we're wrong. There are four million teachers. Eighty-three percent of them are white and six percent are black. Now, here's the thing. Okay, here's, here's the thing. How many of that 83% do you think feel disenfranchised? See, a lot of times we say teachers and we have this face. A teacher is, 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 is now, are all of these white people that are teachers disenfranchised? No. Do they feel that way? Of course not. But how many are? There must be a lot. A lot of people feel that, those who are supporting Donald Trump are uneducated. They don't even, you know, they barely got a high school diploma. I don't believe that. 
I don't believe that when you say they're evangelical and they're white, that they're uneducated, uh, 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 tobacco-chewing, moonshine-drinking, rednecks from uh, Slop Jaw, Mississippi. I don't believe that for a second. The media would have you believe that. Let me tell you what the media is doing. Front page, front page in today's New York Times. This is what they're worried about. Drug overdoses propel rise in mortality rates of whites. That is the front page, on the front page of the New York Times. The only, one of the few papers that people still read. Educated people. Most people who read the New York Times are educated. And basically what this article is telling you about is that uh, uh, it's not just drug overdoses. At first they started talking about between the ages of 25 to 34. Then they went on to it it, it rose faster by any measure uh, for the less educated by 23%. Uh, for those without a high school education. What well, they certainly are very interested in this group of people. How are all these people voting for Trump and all of them are dying? How are their numbers going down by, and, and I'm going by what the Times says. If they're dying out, then who the heck is standing in line voting for Trump? It, it, it can't be. You can't have it both ways. But somebody is. They say, well, those same people who go out to the rallies and everything, and they are massive. Well, they're not going to vote for him. How many votes do you think he's going to need to win? How many delegates do you think he's going to need to be president? Then you have on the other side, because I ain't going to spend too much time on Trump. Trump, I will during the course of my shows. Okay, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Barney because I like talking about Barney, Barney Sanders, the socialist. This is why I say we need to be very careful about our choices and look at these people very, very carefully. He, from way back, you know, he became mayor of in in Vermont and. Uh, from Brooklyn, you know, he went to Brooklyn College, you know, always had his shirt, you know, off, you know, no tie or anything like that. And, you know, he went to the rally for the Sandinistas and, and all of that and, and uh, um, um, very socialist. Wanted, you know, went to, 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 to uh, you know, went to shut down certain businesses and everything like that and, and uh, uh, was a real, you know, wanted uh, the government to pay for uh, which I agree with, education and 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 um, hospitalization and you know health care and all that kind of thing, kind of like the way Canada is, and it was a real rallying point for socialism. And 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 he won in Vermont, and he was you know he was there for a long time. I think it's about fifteen years or something. He's been in Vermont politics. Uh, and he ran as an independent, and he's one of the longest-running independents who has continuously then became a senator, you know, and he was the lower senator from Vermont for a very long time, and as an independent. 
and he's one of the longest running independents, you know, that that, that in, in the United States. Here's the thing. Now, he's a Democrat. Well, where the heck that come from? And now, uh, Mr. Sanders has a tie. And he is an NRA supporter. And his talk is a little bit different now. You know, he's not the, the same person quite that he was before. He's not as radical. And some of this stuff is a little watered down. The people seem to really, you know, like what, what he is saying. And... uh um He's saying also, you know, that he's going to raise taxes, that this is going to improve. You know, I'm reading this right here as I'm talking to you. You know, raise taxes to make, uh, to have universal health care, that thing I'm talking about, which is really a socialist view. Um, what did I say? Bernie, I meant Bernie, I'm sorry. Bernie Sanders and um, universal, but he's called universal health care. We'll see. We'll see. I I don't trust anybody, first of all, that switches like that. He didn't switch until last year. Now he's running for president. Once again, I believe it's because of my vote and the vote of my people. You know, and you feel once you become a Democrat and you win, well, then my vote is assured. Well, slowly but surely, I am leaning, moving towards that socialist point of view. Uh, democratic socialist. I still believe in in uh, competition, but I believe in a lot that the uh, the socialists have in mind. I believe that college should be free. I don't believe it should be paid for. I believe it should be competitive, but I don't believe once you win the competition with testing. And, and going through everything that you go through, I don't believe that you have to pay for it. I believe that once the college chooses you, they should pay for you. I don't think that that should be done by scholarship or anything. I think that everybody has a right to an education, a competitive education, but an education, no matter who you are. That goes for trade schools, industrial schools, whichever, whichever one I don't feel that if you want to do something after high school, I don't feel that you should pay for it because inevitably you are going to be contributing positively to society. I want to hear what Bernie has to say about this. I want to hear what Hillary has to say about this. Hillary's looking more and more bland every day. Okay, she hasn't even come close, and nobody is saying nothing to Donald Trump, and I believe it's because they're afraid. They don't know what's going to come out of his mouth, even though actually they do know what's going to come out of his mouth. What they're afraid of is who is going to agree with what comes out of his mouth. That has everything to do with education. Personally, in Philadelphia, to bring it on home to what this show is about, only 28% of the teachers are African-American in Philadelphia. 62% of the students are African-American in Philadelphia. During 2001 to 2011, 
Teachers rose by 13%. We hired 30% more teachers during that time, that 10-year time. But black teachers dropped by 19%. So once again, we come up with this number. 28% of the teachers are African-American. 62% of the students are African-American. Do the math. And what that basically means is 72% of the teachers are white or of, of, of another race other than black. That's a very high number. And that's a very high gamble. How many of those teachers actually are going to go out and vote for Donald Trump? They're not going to announce it in front of a classroom? No. And this is public school, by the way. I'm sorry, public school. So from kindergarten all the way to high school, this is what we're talking about here. Okay, overall, out of those 4 million schools, 83% are white. Even if it's only one-third of those teachers would actually vote for Donald Trump or believe in what he is saying about being disenfranchised. How do you know that you feel disenfranchised when you agree that we should no longer allow Muslims into this country? What are we going to do with the Muslims that's here, put them in concentration camps like we did the Japanese during World War II? See, don't think that that's not, that's not an option. We have public schools now that look like prisons, where students have to almost strip down naked before they can walk into a classroom, getting them ready for a prison system. Really? You shut down 23 schools, but you built how many prisons in Philadelphia? And just in Philadelphia, just in Philadelphia, you shut down all of those schools but raised up prisons. Who the heck is going to those prisons? What is supposed to, what, what, what is going on? And we as a people have to wake up about what is going on in this country and what is about to happen in this country as far as this election and as far as what we are doing is concerned. This is very serious. And I, 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 I cannot tell you how serious it is as far as education. I'm just dealing on the education topic. I'm just dealing with education. I'm not dealing with economics. I'm not dealing with, you know, business. I'm not, I'm not dealing with anything else, fashion or entertainment. I'm just talking education. And those numbers that I read are frightening. And I would guarantee that across the board, those numbers are the same. The mind beneath the school people, keep your eyes open and keep your mind focused on what is important. Choose what you are doing and who you agree with very carefully. All right, having said that, and moving on to something a little, a little not, not necessarily lighter, but the fourth annual Black Comic Book Convention was held in Harlem. You know, and we have our own in Philadelphia. I want to talk a little bit about that at the end of the show. But uh, it was wonderful. 
you know, uh, the master, and Shindo Kumba was there, uh, great artist, um, wonderful work that he has. Uh, if you have a chance, look on the Facebook page of the Mom Beneath School. I'm going to throw some of his work that I, I brought home with me. Um, the creator of uh, Watson and Holmes, the black version of Sherlock Holmes and, and Dr. Watson was there, and so many other uh, great artists uh, were there. Um, you had to pick and choose, and it was jam-packed. You know, I've, I've been saying all along after I, I came from there, because I, I stayed for an hour and talked to a few of the, the, the uh, artists and graphic designers, and uh, the line was around the corner, I, all African. Line was around the corner. Some Hispanics. It, it was. It was. It, thousands and thousands of people were jam packed into the Schoenberg uh, Center, which is the center for African knowledge and 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 uh, African library portion of the New York Library. Wonderful place. Visit there anyway. If you have the opportunity to go to Harlem, visit the Schoenberg. You you you'll be enlightened. And they had all different kinds of of. of Graphics about blacks in comic books, and it goes all the way back. You know, some of the most famous uh, uh, cartoons were created by African and, and African Americans, uh, and they had a book. A lot of these books were out of print, so but maybe if you could get your hands on it, uh, books called like the uh, Black Comics, and uh, 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 it's a book about the history of African Americans. And, and black comic books, the artwork is just fantastic, and uh, uh, the lessons being taught within these books are is just amazing. You know, um, the heroes and, and heroines that they have uh, in this book. Let me see if I can't grab I'm just going to show you a few because 930 is coming, and I want to be on time for my boy here. Um but, yeah, I'm looking at the book, Black Comics, African-American Independent Comics, Art and Culture, and these are people who have actually put out their own stuff, and it's just, and the artists from A to Z, and it is just fantastic, the, the artwork, the stories um, about how to be successful, how to get along, you know, uh, 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 politics, uh, uh, who to choose, uh, African American heroes and heroines, you know, uh, 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 you, you know, not just you know that, that they ain't all just Spider Man and Batman and 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 Superman, you know. Um, so if you get the opportunity, pick that book up, and uh, please, if you do have a chance to go online, please uh, look up and Shindu Kumba. M-S-H-I-N-D-O, Kuumba, C-K-U-U-M-B-A, and check out some of his artwork. It's it's wonderful. And he's selling a, a calendar with all of his work. So if you have a chance and you could pay for it through PayPal um, and you get a chance to uh, check out his work, you know, uh, please do and get a chance to buy him and support him. As a matter of fact, he offered to come to my school, uh, and talk to my kids because he was saying it was all about the the kids and everything like that. So I was very uh, very happy about that. So I'm I'm gonna 
get together with him. Um, I'm going to play a little music, and when I come back, I'm going to have my guest on with me, uh, Mr. Ricky Codio, uh, photographer. Niggas are scared of revolution. But niggas shouldn't be scared of revolution. Because revolution is nothing but change. And all niggas do is change. Niggas come in for murder and change into pimping clothes. Hit the streets to make some quick change. Niggas change their hair from black to red to blonde. And no black hair that looks for change. Niggas kill other niggas just because one didn't receive the correct change. Niggas change from men to women, from women to men. Niggas change, change, change. You hear niggas say things are changing, things are changing. Yeah, things are changing. Niggas things into black niggas things. Black niggas things that go through all kinds of changes. The change in the day that makes them rat and rave. Black power, black power, and the change. That comes over them at night as they sigh and moan. Night side. Woo! Night side. Niggas always going through bullshit change. But when it comes for real change, niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are actors. Niggas are actors. Niggas act like they're in a hurry to catch the first act of the great white host. Niggas start to act like Malcolm. And when a white man doesn't react to them like he did Malcolm, niggas want to act violently. Niggas act so cool and slick, causing white people to say, what makes you niggas act like that? Niggas act like you ain't never seen nobody act before. But when it comes to acting out revolution, niggas say, I can't dig them action. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are very together people. Niggas talk about getting high and riding around in L's. Niggas should get high and ride to hell. Niggas talk about pimping, pimping that, pimping what? Pimping yours, pimping mine. Just to be pimping is a hell of a line. Niggas are very together people. Niggas talk about your mind, talk about my mind stronger than yours. I got that bitch's mind uptight. Niggas don't know a damn thing about the mind, but they'd be right. Niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas fuck. Niggas fuck, fuck, fuck. Niggas love the words fuck. They think they're so fucking cute. They fuck you around. The first thing they say when they're mad is fuck it. You play a little too much with them. They say fuck you when it's time to TCB. Niggas are somewhere fucking trying to be nice to them. They fuck over you. Niggas don't realize while they're doing all this fucking, they're getting fucked around. But when they do realize, it's too late. So niggas just get fucked up. Niggas talk about fucking, fucking that, fucking this, fucking yours, fucking monsters, not knowing what they're fucking for, ain't fucking for love and appreciation, just fucking to be fucking, niggas fuck white side, black side, yellow side, brown side, niggas fuck ankles when they want dollar side, niggas fuck Charlie, Linda, and Sue, and if you don't want out, niggas will fuck you, niggas will fuck fuck if it could be fucked, but when it comes to fucking for revolutionary causes, niggas say fuck revolution, niggas are scared of revolution, Niggas are players. Niggas are players are players. Niggas play football, baseball, and basketball while the white man is cutting off their balls. When a niggas play ain't tight enough to play with some black guys, niggas play with white guys to see if they still have some play left. And when the white guys to play with, niggas play with themselves. Niggas tell you they're ready to be liberated. Okay, I'm ready. I got my man on here. Ricky? 
Yes, this is, yes. This is Hi, Ricky. How you doing? I'm good, and you? I I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I uh I gave you introductions. Let me just introduce you, introduce you again, uh, listening audience. Uh, this is photographer extraordinaire, entrepreneur Ricky Coyo, uh, one of my uh, uh, one of our former Emotepian high school graduates. Uh, joining us today, he's just opened up his third, is it third studio? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Ricky, I, I, I don't want to, I, I probably, I said 10 or 15 minutes because I know you are busy. You have just been everywhere doing everything. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and what's going on with you. Okay, hello, everybody. Um, I'm a photographer in Philadelphia, um, actually from Haiti, mm-hmm. and Upon graduating, I um, I was a screenwriter for a few before I kind of transitioned into photography. Mhm. Mhm. Did you like screenwriting? I mean, were you successful with that? Well, I love screenwriting, and I'm still doing it, and I still want to ultimately be back at um in the screenwriting. Okay. How but, did you go? Uh, I didn't. Uh, way from screenwriting to photography. Okay, well, to me, almost it's just similar in a lot of ways because of the it's more visual storytelling now than me writing something. Um, okay. The way it transitioned, it kind of uh, I became a photographer by mistake. Actually, <laughs> it was kind of something that I wasn't truly interested in a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Um, that's back when I was like about eighteen, nineteen. So I uh, actually was um, trying to get to an event. An event. I thought it was a networking event, but it uh-huh. required me to be 21 years old to get it. So I was told that if I act like a photographer, they will let me. They will let me in the event. <laughs> so I act like a photographer, and then I went in. But seeing that it was actually a party, not a uh, networking event, um, I was just like, okay, well, since I'm in here, I'll just take some pictures. So I took some pictures. And upload them to Facebook the next day, and everybody started liking them, tagging them, and then they asked me to uh, come back again. And then I started doing it to different places, going to different places and doing it. And when I actually started doing photo shoots to start getting attention, and fast forward. (laughs) That is amazing. I I see you on Facebook. What you're doing, you. Been to New York doing the fashion show, uh, some mm-hmm. very top models and everything. I've seen you uh, with some of the rappers and everything like that, and your your photography is just phenomenal. To the thing that you. you know, you you kind of kind of bumped into that along the way is just is just uh, incredible. Let me ask you this then: Did your experience at an African Center School have anything to do with how? you kind of move forward after graduating? Um, yeah, it does actually in a way. It kind of just, you know, back in the school, it kind of just made me understand that I have to be the best that I can be and no matter what I decide to do. Just because I, mm-hmm. you know, became for some of a mistake, I took it important enough that it led me to where I am right now. Right. So I, I, I want to have kind of just, you know, instilled in us that we have to be great. Absolutely. No Absolutely. Well, what does the future hold? What are you doing now? 
Uh, well, my third space I just opened is for it's a whole separate business. Um, actually, mm-hmm. this year I'm just investing into businesses instead of just. Oh. So I'm still doing my photography, but uh-huh. I'm also opening different small businesses and investing my money that I make off my photography into different businesses. So the new space is actually I'm opening up a screen printing company, and nice. <clears throat> so and I'm also working working on different companies, like uh, investing in jewelry company, just so I could just have different forms of income and different avenues of things I could work with. But I still solely focus on photography, on photography. myself. Right. Yes. Well, Ricky, if anybody now, I, I I had to, you know, I even had to tell my, my sister-in-law she wanted some pictures taken of a wedding. I said, well, I think Ricky's a little bit, he's a little bit expensive now. So I want you to tell everybody <laughs> what it is that, you know, how they could find out about you or if they need your service, whatever it is that you're doing or maybe an up-and-coming star or whatever, what exactly is it that they could do to get in touch with you? Well, I'm on every social media. I'm Ricky Codio on every social media. My email is rickycodiophoto at gmail.com. Okay. So it's pretty simple. Our last name, Codio, C-O-D-I-O. Oh, right. And then, right. so... But everything I use is my real name, Ricky Cody. Is your real name? Well, Ricky, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for taking time out to to come on. Um, I wish you well. I can't wait to see the studios, and I will. I'm I'm right here in Philadelphia now, so there's absolutely no reason but uh, that we are all we were just talking about you because I said I was going to have you on the show, and how proud all of us are of you and your continued you. success. And I I look forward to hearing more great things about uh, what it is that you're doing. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you so much, sweetheart. I'll be talking to you soon. Okay, thank you for having me. All right, bye-bye. Okay, Ricky Codio, photographer, extraordinaire, entrepreneur, three studios, African-American and African-centered knowledge. Now, you know, these last two guests, Darryl, Darnell Richardson, and now uh, uh, who is really uh, put my whole thing together, my website and all that kind of thing, and and Ricky uh, uh, Codio, um, uh, next up will be uh, Tierra Holmes, who is another uh, uh, Imhotepian. That, you know, I'm just so proud of these guys, um, just doing the wonderful things that they're doing. Um, I don't. I just want you to see what an African-centered education can do. This is really where I've been leading to about giving those numbers that I did about teachers, um, about the ratio of teachers. And I don't want you to get the impression that I am saying that these are that this is a bad that they are bad teachers, but what I am saying is is that there is a climate in this country that is rising up that has always been there. The racism has always been there. The racist attitudes have always been there. They have not disappeared. They are in films. They are in in, in TV. They are in social media. Okay, and 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 so to think that 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 you could take a profession or a group 
of, of, of people of a certain race and extract them from that because, oh, well, they're doing this, so therefore they can't feel that. It's foolish. It's foolish. And we as African people have to stop making foolish mistakes. We have to stop making because this time, I believe, in this election coming up, it may be costly. You know, we get so involved in, in, in what it is that we're doing, and we just pull a lever. Well, I know I'm going to vote for, you know, my, my father was Democrat. You know, uh, my grandfather it was Democrat. My great-grandfather was a Democrat, and I'm going to be a Democrat. We really haven't been Democrats for that long. We really honestly haven't. Roosevelt changed all that, and I, I can't right now. I, I Look it up, okay? We as a people were voting for the party of Lincoln until Roosevelt, and the party of Lincoln was Republican. We can change. And when Roosevelt changed the views of Democrats across this country, that's when we became Democrats, more so because of his wife, Eleanor. Most of us don't even know that. But we should, because by knowing that, you can know that we can change. It is not engraved in stone that we have to take our vote and vote Democrat. Well, they're the closest thing to, not necessarily. The closest thing that we have ever had to anybody looking at ourselves was Obama, Barack Obama. I want you to take a quick look at that, and then I'm not, I'm not going to spend, I, I, well, I said I won't, I, I will spend a little bit of time. Every now and then when Barack is, is doing his thing and he's giving a speech, he sounds very preachy, and he takes us back to another time. He takes us back to Martin Luther King, that civil rights movement, you know, when, when, when black leaders were all over the place, no matter what your beliefs were. You had Malcolm. You had Roy uh, 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 Wilkins, who was head of the NAACP. Okay, you had uh, A. Philip Randolph. You had you had you you had, you had uh, 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 James Baldwin, who was writing. You had you had everybody. Everybody. You had Martin. You had Ralph Abernathy. Okay, if you just wanted a preacher's preacher. Okay, uh, 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 Andrew Young. You know, you just had everybody, that we were all over the place. You had the Black Panthers. If you, if you didn't even want to have anything to do with the established or the establishment blacks, you know, you had Ella Baker, okay? And then, like I said, you had the Panthers. You had UEP Newton, Bobby Seale. You know that we were just all over the place. And somehow or another, when Barack Obama starts, starts, Starts that preaching, we get back into that again and, 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 and we make a connection. But Barack Obama sat in a pulpit and listened to Jeremiah Wright. And I don't care what nobody said. You sit in the pulpit that long, that baptized your children, that married you. That's a long time. And listen to what Jeremiah Wright was talking about. That's who is involved with the civil rights movement and 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 Barack Obama extracted all of those things all of that learning all of that teaching and then look what happened he had to dump them 
You may not like how I said that, but that's exactly what happened. He got dumped. He had to dump Jesse Jackson. He had to dump he had to dump Reverend Al Sharpton. He had to dump everybody. Everybody. And Hillary Clinton know she always talked about how Barack Obama is disrespected. I will never forget during that debate where she almost made him get on his knees and say on his knees, I I no longer uh uh pay homage or go to the church of Jeremiah Wright. And she still didn't believe him. That's how far he had to go. Why? Because he needed that vote. Did anything change when he was president? Not really. Did you, Did anything, did your life become better? <coughs> Excuse me, once he became president? Did you stop going to work? Did you hit the lottery? Did What exactly happened? Nothing, because we expected too much. We we voted for the man, and I did too. And we forgot the platform. We we took our eye off. The, the prize was having a black president. Well, we got the prize, and as usual, it wasn't golden. It was it was chocolate wrapped in in, in tin. And once we peeled away the tin, that's what it was. We ate the chocolate and just you know forgot about it. So now during this last year, we're expecting him to do great things for all of us and everything and and make some changes about gun control. How many Africans, though, this Black Lives Matter, all of this is happening during his watch? Well, Mama, what are you saying? I don't know. I don't know. I know that social media is playing a large piece of this has a lot has a lot to do with this people taping the police and everything like that and this is under his watch Chicago is going down Detroit is flushed Philadelphia every every 3 months the the superintendent of schools has to threaten to shut the schools down to get a piece of money to keep these schools open And a a budget that can't be passed by the state and nothing is happening. Chicago is being run by a man who was his right-hand man. They calling for his head. Everybody thought that it's going to be all right. Once the boy, I forget his name, his name, Rom, whatever his name is, gets in the office, become mayor, we're going to be okay. And it got worse. And he, he hid truth about killings of, of young black men in order so he could get elected again? Really? And that's your boy? That's your man? That was your right-hand advisor? Something is very wrong. Something is very wrong. Something, And, and we can't just ignore that. We have to look at that. And if, in fact, you look at that and then you start asking more questions than you have answers, then here in Philadelphia we should be having questions and answers. I'm not giving nobody no free ticket. I'm not giving Wolf no free ticket. I'm not giving Kenny no free ticket. 
I ain't giving Shaka Fatal, who is my representative from the district that I live in, no free ticket. I am sick and tired of people pissing in my face and telling me that it's rain. And I am certainly not going to believe that four million teachers all agree with what I'm saying. I don't think so. Eighty-three percent of those teachers are white, and I don't think so. I don't think that they agree with me. I think that there is a large portion of those teachers that agree with Donald Trump. You mock my words. I, I, I don't have no facts. New York Times ain't give me nothing on that because they were too busy talking about the white mortality rate. Really? The number of African-American drug abuse is actually going down, the death rate, and their rate is going up, but yet this is the same group of people that are going to be voting for Donald Trump? What is he doing, going to the cemetery and getting their votes? Then who is filling up? These stadiums, you see, the people who stop and talk to those people with the microphones in their hand may not have no education. But what about all them thousands of people that are walking by them? What school do they go to? I I don't believe for a minute that every redneck in, in America is filling up all these places in all of those states. In Iowa, New Hampshire, New Hampshire. I don't believe that for one minute. Not, not, I, I don't. And Wolf is the same kind of rich man that Donald Trump is, Democrat that he might be. I think I'll hold my breath and wait and see what happens. And I, I am slowly but surely moving towards the, the socialist point of view. And I'm slowly but surely looking at all of the candidates, not just Republican and Democrat, but the socialist, the independent. I want to hear what everybody has to say. I want to hear what everybody is doing and what they are thinking. I want to, I, I, I'm going to make as educated a choice as I possibly can. I'm going to hold on to my vote like people do with that lottery, that $1 billion lottery. And they just hold on to those tickets until they found out that they lost. I'm going to hold on to my ticket. I'm going to hold on. And I am not giving my vote away. I'm just not. Because these are very dangerous times. These are, this is this is this is not good. What is happening here? The closing of schools, the opening of the prisons in this city. People who are being overtaxed and underpaid. The homelessness in this city all affects the educational system. It's not separate. It's not separate. The violent crimes that are being perpetrated in this city. Not being done in predominantly white neighborhoods for the most part. They are being done in black communities. 
and that affects the education of our children. Incarceration. These brothers have children, and these children go to school. That affects the education. And they're not going to private schools. They're going to public schools. They're going to charter schools. And there are 43,000 in Philadelphia students, and 62% of them are black. And we must, we, we, we must make all of these people accountable, or else we, we, we're in a lot of trouble. We wake up the Wednesday after Tuesday election, and we say to President Trump, we're in trouble. That man can't even say African-American. He was talking about, you know, he would be great for African-Americans. He couldn't even get that out right because he don't care. We ain't voting for him. He don't care. And he can win. And you must look at your past. Ronald Reagan ain't care nothing about black people, and he won twice. And we didn't vote for him, and we... Were doomed, and he did not care, cause we were his constituents. He didn't care, and Donald Trump is riding that same that same ticket. People, these are these are serious times, and this is a serious election, and I hope everybody takes it seriously. You know, we look at the front pages. Look, look. Okay, one more thing. I'm gonna say this. I'm only the Flip, Michigan. And the water that they can no longer drink. Really? Is that what we're doing now? To save a few bucks, you change the water system in your city and it's filled with lead? Do you know? I can't. They, we won't even know the effect that it has had on an entire population of people. And Flint is a pretty big town. It's not even a, it's a city. Until years from now. They cannot drink the water. You cannot bathe in that water. You cannot wash your clothes in that water. How much water do you think that the Red Cross is going to send there? Now, all of a sudden, now the president says it's a state of emergency. As soon as you heard that the water was lead, it was an emergency. It's been an emergency. Oh, and by the way, you, you, it, that's not on the front page. Let me see what page that's on. On the Sunday, the same one, the same paper with the white mortality rate on the front. The, the, today's New York Times. This article is on page 25. It has approximately 20 lines. Coming out of Detroit, the White House issued a a, a release calling for the Federal Emergency Management Agency to coordinate all disaster relief efforts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They ain't spend no time in that. Took them two pages to handle this one about the mortality rate of whites. That's a liberal paper. That's a liberal paper. What importance does that have? A lot. What does it mean and why did they do it? I don't know, but it's coming. The answer is it's coming. I guess I'm just not smart enough to see what it is. But I know it means something. 
because they don't never put our mortality rate on the front page. Never. Only after riots. You know, when we riot it, when we're pissed off. When black lives matter. Okay, that's when that's when we make the front page of the, of the New York Times. Folks, my time is winding down. Um, next week, I will be giving out the phone number, uh, and I'll be taking phone calls. Uh, I I hope that you enjoyed the uh, the show. Um, I'll be talking more about the uh, fourth annual uh, Black Comic Book Convention. I I and about the uh, other convention that is coming our way. Uh, hold on, just one one second. Let me because I can pull it up real fast because I want to make sure I get these names these names right here. Um, and uh, in our uh, the ECBACC Xbox, the fifteenth annual East Coast. Black Age of the Black Comic Convention is coming in May on the 21st from 11 to 7 right here in Philly. They've been doing they've been doing it at Temple University for a while and now they're uh they they've moved to another place. Um see if I can't find out where this Let's see what we have here. Yeah, the 15th annual uh East Coast Black Age Comics Convention, ECBAC, and I believe uh, E-C-B-A-C-C, and next time, and that stands for East Coast Black Age of Comics Convention. And that's from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., but, of course, it's all the way in May on a Saturday, So, uh, and it's going to be at the Enterprise Center on Market Street. I'll be giving because we got time, uh, but you got to buy a ticket. Okay, folks, uh, my time is done. I'll be talking more, like I said, about the festival. I'll have more on uh, the mind beneath the school next week. I want to thank again my, my guest, Ricky Codio, and hold on, keep your eye on the prize, and make sure that your your choice is wise. Peace, and I'll see you next Sunday, 9 o'clock. Niggas are scared of revolution, but niggas shouldn't be scared of revolution, because revolution is nothing but change, and all niggas do is change. Niggas come in for murder and change into flipping clothes, into the streets to make some quick change. Niggas change their hair from black to red to blonde, and no black hair that looks will change. Niggas kill other niggas just because one didn't receive the correct change. Niggas change from men to women, from women to men. Niggas change, change, change. You hear niggas say, things are changing, things are changing. Yeah, things are changing. Nigga things into black nigga things. Black nigga things that go through all kinds of changes. The change in the day that makes them rant and rave. Black power, black power, and the change. That comes over them at night as they sigh and moan. Right side. Ooh, right side. Niggas always going through bullshit change. But when it comes for real change, niggas are scared of revolution. Niggas are actors. Niggas are actors. Niggas act like they're in a hurry. They catch a